We're in the Lenten season. In the discipleship of knowing and following Jesus, guided and focused by the Christian year, the liturgical year, the discipleship of Lent is a discipleship of repentance, of confession. It's a penitent season, a time to stop, to simplify, to abstain, to fast to examine ourselves before the Word of God, the presence of God, to listen with a new intent to the Spirit of God. I hear very often during this season people asking one another, sharing with one another, what are you doing for Lent? Staining from chocolate. Staining from alcohol. Some teetotalers would say, praise God, it's about time. Staying from a dessert. Moving away from screens. Spending more time in Scripture. Trying to be real honest about some things in my life that if I got honest, I'd call them addictions. I'd call them pride and arrogance. I'd call them fear and anger. Well, right in the middle of that conversation that I hear and I have, today I want you to hear the Lord sing to his prophet Isaiah, and depending on your approach to Isaiah, whether it's the first, second, or third Isaiah, or just Isaiah, either way it's the prophet of God speaking the word of God from the Spirit of God to us. And he says to his prophet, Scream at the top of your lungs. I was at a Christian college, and I needed it. Hooli comes from hooligan, and I was a new Christian. And uh, a pastor came, and he got on the edge of the stage, and he screamed at the top of his lungs, Behold, and he screamed that over and over and over again, to the point I thought he'd forgotten or kind of was having a senior moment. I appreciate that a lot more now. I started getting embarrassed for him, but I can tell you, this, he got our attention. He said, young people, when the Bible says behold, you better behold. Jack Gray, I don't know if any of you all are from Texas and remember that old name, but he was a great man of God. His wife even better than him, which is often the case. The Lord's saying, time out, stop. All your worship and all the things you're doing, all your disciplines, all your confession, just stop. I took a group of young people, 50 of them from Wilmore about 100 years ago, I think it was more like 30, to Mexico. And we had a great 10 days in Mexico, Satillo, Mexico. And I thought, I mean, it was fraught with all kind of immaturity that youth group stuff usually is and with this particular youth minister at the time. But at the end of it, uh, the, uh, the sort of the leader of the Mexican church there, he came to me, it was at night, it was right before we were going to leave early the next morning. He said, oh, my brother, can I speak to you? And I thought, oh, here it comes. He's about to tell me all that, it, that they appreciate about what we did and our sacrifice. He starts crying. I'm thinking, man, this really did mean a lot to him. And he looked me in the eye, tears running down his cheeks, and he said, my brother, I fear you've done more harm than good. Would you dare 
Hear the Lord in this scripture, Isaiah 58. Wanting us to stop and listen. Could it be that some of our worship, our prayer, especially our penitential discipleship of fasting and confession could actually be a corrupt enough that it's doing more harm than good? Let's pray a moment. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, underneath and around and above, so fill this place with your love and your grace that we'll understand that even if we find ourselves utterly ruined like Isaiah, or falling down at your feet as though dead like John in the Revelation, that your love always picks us up, always cleanses us. Lord, your judgment, your rebuke, your intervention is always for our good. Lord, there's no greater place in Scripture uh, almost where there's more concentrated promise than in this passage. So Lord, help us to hear what you've got to say to us. Amen. Well, the first thing that the Lord through Isaiah says to his people is you have great appearance. Your outward practices are amazing. Eugene Peterson in the message does a good paraphrase of this. Uh, when he says, you're busy, busy, busy at worship. You're studying me. In the uh, English Standard Version, he says, you delight to draw near to me. You appear to be a nation, a church, a group of people that love God and want his best and are practicing his, his disciplines of grace. I suspect that'd be true of all of us in this room. I think surely most of you all have had the joy of the new birth and have had the richness and the incredible privilege of having God pour himself into us by the blood of Christ in the person of the Spirit. But the people in this, this audience that the prophet is speaking to were doing all those kind of good things. So much so that they believed they were in a great place. And when it comes to the uh, discipline of grace and fasting, they were saying, Why, Lord, they're kind of complaining. Lord, we fasted, and, and it's not helping our relationship with you. You don't seem to be responding. We see all through, we hear from our Torah, we hear when the word is read, we hear that you respond when your people humble themselves and turn to you. But look, we're humbling ourselves. And you don't even seem to notice. And the Lord says, well, you ask. So I'll tell you why. When you fast, it's all about you. You know, this song, uh, I want to get back to the heart of worship. It's a really old worship song, Matt Redmond's song, a song I love. I can't get away from it. Uh, you know, it's all about you, Jesus, is what it's supposed to be. But I have to say a lot of times, I get honest. I'm getting back to the heart of worship. It's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. That's basically what God is saying. You fast, you worship. You get simple. You get unhurried. You turn away from this. Not to turn to me and my ways 
but really a paganism. You're trying to get me to get, give you a blessing. You're trying to get me to do what you want me to do. You're still about your own profit. You're still about what does it do for you? How does it make you feel? How does it heal your wounds? Well, actually, the scriptures say it this way. Well, it says you go about your own business, your own pleasure. Nothing really changes at your core when you're practicing your fasting. You're so about self-promotion and self-preservation and self-interest that your relationship to other people, especially those that you are entrusted to care about, your wives, your employees, your friends, your parishioners, you are consumed with striving and competition striking out verbally with gossip and loveless criticism, even striking out physically at one another with evil things. Maybe it'd be best for me just to read a quote by John Oswald. If you're not familiar with Dr. John Oswald, he taught here for about 100 years. I think he's written the finest commentary on Isaiah that there is and I read a bunch of them in preparation not just for this sermon I've been preaching this our church at our church we feel like that we're in a season where God is lovingly judging us and what's been brought to light in the culture and in the congregation is that we're complicit and syncretized with all kinds of immorality and injustice, racism, sexism. We're not that counterculture, miracle of grace, sign and wonder that the Lord meant His body to be. We're as divided and as broken as the culture. So we felt the Lord leading us to do what's been there all along. Isaiah 58 is the beginning text for the invitation of Lent on Ash Wednesday. So John Oswalt kind of sums up what I just said with this quote. The point may simply be what I just have been talking about is that their religious exercises are primarily for themselves, primarily to serve those covetous instincts that motivate all our lives far more than we care to admit. That being so, their fasting or their Lenten practices, if you will, results in oppression. I think the Lord is saying, Really? You think? Fasting and worship and prayer and Bible study and denying yourself is an end in itself? Do you think I'm interested in that at all? I want these to be gloriously filled greenhouses where I meet you and you meet me and you step into my ways and experience the exhilaration of loving in a fallen world the way I love you and the way I love the world. So then the Lord says, so 
Here's the fast that I am looking for. Would somebody give me a time check? Because I can't see the clock in the back. What? Okay. The Lord says, here's the fast that I am looking for. I want you to break injustice wherever you find it. I want you to get rid of exploitation. I want you to set people free who are oppressed, including that part of your life that you hadn't addressed, that is a victim and a bent, crooked uh, sort of life of its own in you from someone mishandling power. I want you to pour yourself out for the hungry. I want you to give yourself to create a home for the homeless. I want you to see the naked. And uh, as I was doing some work in some exegetical commentaries, they all seem to point to this nakedness uh, would be understood in that culture at that time as any deep vulnerability that a person would be in, whether it's food vulnerable or friend vulnerable or health vulnerable or spiritually vulnerable. Conversion not converted, hell vulnerable. This is not an either-or blow out the gospel so you can do these social things. You can't do these in the love of God unless you've been converted, born from above and filled with God's Spirit, able to bear the fruit of the Spirit in maturity, in the hard places, in the land, in the family, and in the church. The Lord is basically saying, I want you anywhere a person is denied a level playing field, an equal empowerment, an equal way to have their needs met and for them to express their call and their life, whether it's racism, whether it's sexism, whether it's social status, whether it's wealth, whatever is creating the injustice. And men and women, I'm speaking to the church right now. We're way, way, way before we have any sort of credibility to speak to the culture except for the grace of God and the Word of God. Do away with that. Start in your marriage. Start in your friendship. Start in your church. Start in yourself. Just get rid of exploitation. Have you ever been used in your church? Many of you all are ministers of some sort. May we tremble before the Lord. I tremble before the grace of God. Lord, help us not to use one another. I just filled out the church report. One of the greatest temptations I have it's what I put on that report. All my bishops and archbishops and all the people read and evaluate me by. But they are meaningless if I've used people to accomplish those ends. And I have. Lord, have mercy. I'm not doing it like I used to. Not doing it much at all that I'm conscious of, but I'm sure it's there. So men and women, the end of the matter, the conclusion is this. 
what the Lord is saying in the Old Testament is what the apostolic commentary on the Gospels, on the life of Christ, and the message to the church is. Be like Jesus. Just be like Jesus. You want to do Lenten disciplines that don't do more harm than good? Isaiah 61, these are just a few verses away from our Isaiah 58. It's what Jesus used to announce His mission. I'm here to preach the good news to the poor. I'm here to open the eyes of the blind. I am here to set the oppressed free. And in Matthew 4, when it speaks of Jesus, it says He went around all of Galilee, healing disease and sickness, setting those oppressed free. In Mark 6, feeding the hungry and those naked of soul and life like the woman who fell before him at the Pharisee's table and kissed his feet and wept. He clothed them with dignity and forgiveness. That's what we're called to do, church. That's a fast that God would choose. So I want to encourage you to rework your disciplines if you haven't put stepping into those things in the forefront of how it is you are practicing Lent. I blew up my Lenten preparation. I'd spent about a month getting ready. I started putting anybody at hand that I could fit into those categories and to do it in agape, a not self-interested, joyful, self-giving, to know them, to love them. And I've started to do it. And it is, I've faced more of my sin and self-centeredness than any of doing without food and getting quiet and getting away from screens. And oh my, just this week when I sat with someone, I was filled of that, just filled with joy to join Jesus, setting those who are oppressed free. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us specifically what we need to do and how we need to do it. I pray, Lord, that we could move into your love and all those promises you said at the end of this chapter. If you do these things, your light will explode in the darkness gloom will be melted away your bones and your body will be healed the nearness of god will be right there you call on him and he'll say here am i and he will lead you but lord we we don't want to do it to get we want to step in your ways and find out that's what we were meant to be and that will put gasoline on our passion and desires and walk with you in the name of the father In the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen.